Shabuya, Shabuya, Rosa. My name is Rosa. They say I'm supposed to sit in the back, but I'm tired here, so I'm finna sit right closer. Yeah. Come get me up then. It's gonna take about three, four, five men. And I ain't finna repeat myself again. Fight me, fight me. My name is Eve. Yeah. I didn't believe. Yeah. I trusted Satan, ate that apple, he deceived. Yeah. And yeah, I'm naked. I thought I was awakened. First to do it, y'all my daughters, we related. Yeah. Trick on Big Harry. Yeah. Don't call me slave ho. Go ahead. From the underground, railroad up down, not for dope. When I say run, you better go. In the dark, that glocky glow. Hey, what's up, Hunga family? Thank you for tuning in to another week, another episode of the Hunga podcast, a Philly-based culture and society podcast from a Black queer perspective. I'm your host. I'm your producer of this here show, Eric Cole, a.k.a. Life Coach Eric, a.k.a. Tennis Bay. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. I appreciate all the love, the feedback, and the support, not only for this podcast, but also for the Hunger Pod Live channel on YouTube. If you're not already subscribed and watching, go search Hunger Podcast at YouTube. This is a Marquise Davon production. Shout out to Marquise, Tony Pernell, the whole team, everybody over there at Hunger Pod Live. Thank you for the love. You can find this podcast on all platforms, podcasting platforms, and social media platforms by searching at Hunger Pod. That's H U N G U P P O D. So much happening around the world in Black culture, in Black news, and in Black excellence. First of all, Beyonce announces on February 1st, the very first day of Black History Month, that she is going on a worldwide renaissance tour. And this has the internet and Twitter all a frenzy. Not only because, you know, she's just coming off of this performance in Dubai which people either loved or they had some big problems with. And you had our girl T.S. Madison out here saying, well, carry that same energy that y'all have about this anti-trans and, and homophobia. Carry that same energy here in the States. Well, I guess we will see because this worldwide tour starts off in Stockholm and ends in New Orleans. Beyonce has the internet all a frenzy also because of the fact that we've been waiting to see her. We had, you know, it was a little pause on the visuals. This is the visuals. We've been waiting to see Beyonce. The last time she was on tour was the Formation Tour. And also because of the prices. These ticket prices seem to be like, 
how much of it is true, how much of it isn't, we don't really know. There's this resale stuff going on that Ticketmaster tried to do this verification process to prevent, but it doesn't seem like it's really working. NPR's Rachel Treesman writes, Beyonce's Renaissance Tour is Ticketmaster's next big test. Fans are already stressed. News of Beyonce's first solo tour in more than six years has her many fans celebrating and stressing out about whether they'll actually be able to get tickets. The singer announced on Wednesday that she'll bring her Grammy-nominated album, Renaissance, to cities across Europe and North America between May and September. Fans have been eagerly waiting her return to venues since Renaissance dropped last summer, if not earlier. Beyonce's last solo tour was the Formation World Tour, though she performed with her husband Jay-Z on his On the Run tour in 2018. The first round of tickets will be open to members of Beyonce's official fan club on Monday through Ticketmaster, which is already facing heightened scrutiny for its botched Taylor Swift presale in November. The company has apologized for the Swift presale chaos, which it blamed on an outsized demand and bot attacks. Many are wondering, and in some cases doubting, whether sales will go more smoothly this time around. The Beehive, as Beyonce's fandom is known, is bracing for what could be another frenzy. Ticketmaster and Beyonce also appear to be bracing for overwhelming demand, trying to prioritize her biggest fans and warning that some will inevitably be disappointed. The verified fan system aims to get tickets to real people and away from bots and professional resellers by having fans register in advance for their preferred shows and vetting them individually. But just because you're verified doesn't mean you'll get a ticket. When demand is high, the company uses a lottery system to determine who gets an access code for the sale and who gets put on a wait list. So you all will see how this goes. The company is saying the bots are out here and the resellers are out here causing a lot of damage. And we'll see what happens. You know, you would expect that a big company with the kind of money that Ticketmaster has and the company that it is, that they have the technology to deal with bots and you know, large reseller, ticket resellers like that. But, you know, at the same time, the people who create these bots, these resellers, constantly change how they do what they do, inventing new ways to outwit and outsmart the system. And when you're dealing with artists, big artists like a Beyonce, a Taylor Swift, getting that kind of attention, you know, I'm sure the technology infrastructure is hit with all kind of nonsense. So I'm hanging up on that. Me and the homies, we are registered, and we'll see if we get the code. We are trying to go and turn up and have a good time. Shout out to The Root. The Root published an article today, 15 books you need to read this Black History Month. And I said, oh, is <laughs> was that a typo? <laughs> 15 books you should definitely read um, in light of Black History Month. But I don't know if you can. Can you get them all in in one month, 15? I guess if you really know, that's, <laughs> but check out the list because let me tell you, there are definitely some books on here that I said I have been wanting to read and it was just a nice little nudge. Number two on the list, The Black Church, This Is Our Story, This Is Our Song by Henry Louis Gates Jr. The Root says in The Black Church, Henry Louis Gates explores the black community's relationship with Christianity from the transatlantic slave trade to present day. 
you know, hung up family as someone who grew up in the church, grew up Christian and knowing the personal battles that I had with religion and Christianity and the battles that so many people I've talked to have shared. We share a lot of these battles, very similar battles. Having come into adulthood, I got to be honest, it's been releasing that anger and it's transforming into something else. Call it curiosity. Call it acceptance for what it is. And I think a lot of that comes from a relationship with one of my close friend, family members that I have. With one of my close family members, it's just like accepting it for what it is. Uh, you can't you can't change their mind. It's just this this is what it is. So it becomes more of a for me a curiosity of well why and where does it come from and what are the roots of it. And I thought, and and I saw the Black church uh, narrated by Henry Louis Gates on PBS. So when I saw the book on this list, I said, oh, yeah, I I definitely want to read the book. Because I thought, again, anyone curious about the history of Christianity and the basis of it and, and where it comes from, it's a good start right here. Number six on the list, the 1619 Project by Nicole Hannah-Jones. What I I thought was interesting about this, and I saw a preview on Hulu, hearing the narrator say with the American flag behind her, we actually own this flag. We have more rights to this flag than anyone else in this country. And I just thought, wow, what a radical thought. What a radical idea. Um, Here it is, so many of us feeling more distant from the American flag, especially when we see it coupled with, um, you know, the Confederate flag oftentimes and the MAGA supporters using the American flag to make a statement, using it as a brand almost, along with that rifle. To hear the narrator say, no, actually, we own that more than they do. It, that, I just thought like, wow, that that's interesting. And number eight, Barracoon, The Story of the Last Black Cargo by Zora Neale Hurston. I want to, you know, I want to go back and challenge myself. I haven't challenged myself like this in a long time. The reading of this book, because, you know, it's in the language. She She's interviewing Kajo Lewis, 86-year-old former slave, and it's written in how he speaks. And so I want to immerse myself in that fully. That experience in his words, in his language, through his memory. I just think that's really fascinating. So check out The Root. They have a lot of books on this list. 15 books you need to read. This is Black History Month. And hey, if, if it's not for the month, this is something you can stretch out over the year. Or pick a few books from the list um, that spark your interest or that challenge you in different ways. And if you do pick up one of the books from the list, email the hungapod at hungapod at gmail.com and give your thoughts and review on the book. I'm hung up. Let's get into this week's interview with California creative and rapper Cocaine Sugar. Cocaine Sugar dials in to talk about new music, his partnership with Boys Love Records, and how creating music has helped him with his own personal struggles with mental health.
Welcome to the Hung Up Podcast, artist, musician, Cocaine Sugar. Welcome to the Hung Up Pod. It's nice to have you here. Hi. Hi. Welcome. I really thank you. I'm so over happy. LOL. Mine too. Yeah. Thank you for dialing in. I, you know, know you through Zavi. That's well, that's how I was introduced to you. And um, me and Zavi go way back. Yeah, we go back to the Philly days when he was still out here on the East Coast. And he's also been on the Hunk Up podcast. Zavi reached out to me and said, yo, E, I have a really dope artist that I'm working with that I would just love him to come and just be on the show. And so here you are again. Welcome. 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 (laughs) This is over happy. (laughs) So first of all. You know, I gave you a little introduction, but please introduce yourself and okay. let the people know where you're from. Okay. Hi, my name is Cocaine Sugar, aka I'll just. <laughs> uh, my name is Cocaine Sugar. I am a Cali rapper. Um, well, no, correction. My name is Cocaine Sugar, and I'm a Cali creative. Um, I got I got into music about like a year or two. Well, yeah, like a year or two ago, and honestly. I'm just like, I don't really know what to say about myself is because it's like, it's not something I could really say with words, but like, I'm just like very ambitious person. Like, like I keep saying like, cause I'm just like, like, you know, like that don't even make any sense. No, basically I'm just, I'm not humble. I'm very, very, very self-aware on what, what I, what I say, how I say, what I say, whether it's music or not, or my day to day, how I compose myself in and out of my household. Like, you know, so I'm just, just an, another, what is it? Just yet another young black man trying to make it in America. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. That's what's up. That's what's up. What's your sign? Scorpio. Aries rising towards moon. Okay, cool. Now talk to us about this collaboration, this connection you have with Boys Love Records. How did that happen? I met Flowers around, like, couple years ago he was like my mentor in the the gay straight alliance club at job Corps, and around that time i was kind of like just hanging out with people who made beats and stuff and then around like a year or two ago i started making music with like because i'm from lancaster and that's where like literally if you don't make music like no one talks to you like so we all make music we go to shows we perform at shows like that's what we do then i went and one day i text him on instagram and i was like how do you manage making music and not having to deal with the self-doubt of people comparing you to like everybody and then he was basically he basically was just real with me and gave me some advice on just like being real and authentic like who gives a fuck with any can i cuss on him mm-hmm. yeah oh okay yeah. oh because i'm trying so hard not to <laughs> no, okay so he good. was like who gives, yeah. who gives a fuck with anybody gotta say just do you and whatever makes you happy happy you because i started rapping um just as a little hobby to control my um my emotions or whatever and then I dropped a couple of tracks and then he he tapped in and he was like, I really like your song, Soft Shit. And I was like, ah, like, and then he remixed it. And I did a challenge, a remix challenge. And I had like 14 other people remix the song. And then when like we were talking about like music and everything he offered, he was like, yeah, I might want to have you a part of Boys Up Records. And then when he said that, I went ape shit. I made sure my <laughs> album was all authentic, original. I started engineering and mastering and mixing my own vocals. Or I built an entire team. Like, I can do everything. Like, literally. Custom clothes. Like, it's it's crazy. I started taking over. So, yeah, that's how it happened. I first, 
found something that I loved and I, the mentor who taught me basically some traits on like how to be a gay black man, but not be seen as a gay black man and just be seen as a person. Yeah. I just took his advice on just being myself. Like who cares what they got to say? And regardless of what they say, I'm still going to be cocaine sugar. And that's why I'm with boys at records. I like that. And it definitely comes across in the music. Like you don't give a fuck. You say what you have to say. You're unapologetic in your music and that's definitely one of the things that I like about your sound. Speaking of which, let's let's go ahead and get into the music. I got to tell you right now, Dills. <laughs> I was hoping you said that song. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that song Dills, is so hard. That song, I love Dills. I love Master. I love Cocaine and Scientist Cypher. Did I get that right? Yeah. Pokey stop, smoke break, like hunger uh, family. I'm just letting y'all know. I'm just letting the listeners know. Like, so when y'all go out there, I'm sure you're gonna listen to his music. You're gonna stream his music. You're gonna find your own shit that you're that you're in love with. I'm just letting the listeners know what I loved. Uh, like it's so crazy <laughs> that you chose those specific songs, yo, because those are my personal favorites on there because of the process of how they were created. It's like there was supposed to be 35 tracks on that album and only 23 got through because interludes and all that. But those specific songs, like, like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'll get to the next one. I'll explain it. It's just, that just really hit me. Like as an, as a creative, like that really means a lot. Cause I mixed all those songs myself. Like, right. so the fact like for deals, I remember calling Ryan on Facebook and I was like, I'm watching Stranger Things. I need a sample. Like he was like, what do you mean? I was like, I need some bad bitch shit. Like I need a, like a LA bad bitch smoke vibe. And then like I called Judah Finesse and I was like, yeah, that album we doing together, we're going to put one of the songs on our album or promo like that. So like, we did that. And then disaster literally walked in the room as I'm mixing it. And he's like, Oh, this is hard. I'm about to give you a verse. And I was like, all right, shit, fuck it moved out of cali i heard everything together and i was like oh yeah i'm about to eat this up like this is all coming together and then every time i played it for a homie they was like what is this corny ass stranger things beat and then like after a while in the song they're like oh this is hard i was like mm. yeah like right it's like uh but then a lot of people was like yeah don't drop it don't drop it because you know you're gonna get copyright blah blah, blah. like i don't care i'm broke i'm making music like, <laughs> <laughs> if i get if i get hit with the copyright i'll give her the money it's nothing i don't care about making money in music i just like the process of it It makes me happy yeah yeah I love so, that song. so on the topic of music talk about what has influenced your sound um you rap really fast i love that um and i even hear i hear a lot of like gamer influence in your music but talk to the people cocaine sugar what what would you say has influenced your sound over the years the one thing that's majorly influenced my sound is trying my hardest to not be compared to Nicki Minaj or Little Nas because I truly love their music so when I started rapping before anybody even played a song on SoundCloud just he must sound like a Nicki Minaj clone or whatever so I specifically when I write whatever I'm listening to I don't embody any of that. Like, I keep it all true. There's not one bar you can call out in any song that's not really me. And then as I was living in, you know, Lancaster, that's like two hours from downtown LA and everything, like 
one thing you're going to notice, no disrespect to my home city, but there's a lot of people who mimic and emulate other artists. And I realize the only thing that's going to make me different is if I bring up what I'm about. So like I, I started doing the fast rap because when I get him, when like when I hear something like, and then I was like, oh, oh my God, it was 102 degrees. I was sitting at BMW in my mom's driveway with the fucking earphones recording Power Punch. And I was like, why am I trying to rap about money when I could rap about what I know? And it was like Pokemon. There's so many of them. So the challenge was to keep making music and never use the same Pokemon more than once. Like, like, you know, just have that challenge. And then it was like, okay, in the future, you're going to be like, oh, like you're a gay artist. People are going to think you're going to be rapping like this, like that, like this. And I was like, okay. But in the same breath, we all talk about the same shit because it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So when I have to rap about like pussy, I'm either talking about my cat or like, like uh, attributes of a person. And then you when do be rapping about pussy. I was like, oh, wait, is he... I was trying to figure out what, it, it, but I also appreciate that about your music. It's just that you kind of leave that air of mysterious in a way. Yeah. Um, and then when it came to the style of rap, because I don't know much about rap because I came up from listening to female rappers, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just make my own genre. There's no such thing as experimental. There's no such thing. Like, I'm just making Sugar Rush material. Like, so when it came to how I wanted to rap, I was like, I just want to do anything overthinking tells me. So when you get in there, you hear that beat, da, 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 that's the flow. Get bring her up. Like, and it's, it's crazy. Like, it makes me so happy. Like, I'm sorry. Continue. And ignore the fact that I keep saying sorry. I'm just like so nah. happy. I'm so hard. No, you're good. <laughs> Obviously, this is a passion for you. Talking about it just fills you up. And that's very obvious um, that you're passionate about this. So, you know, you're already touching on where I wanted to go next was the vibe and the in the feel of music, how you have connected with music, not only on a personal level, but on a spiritual level, on a mental health level. About some time ago, can't get too deep. About some time ago, my sister and her son passed away together. And it kind of just, I don't know what it did. It just shifted. Like, nothing's been the same. And then I started dealing with homelessness and poverty and hunger. And a lot of people I love, like, they just kept dying. Like, everybody just, like, after my sister died, she died with her son. My grandparents died. Then Rocky died. Then Alexis died. And, like, like everybody just kept dying. Like, it just became, like, a thing or whatever. And, like, one thing I tried to talk to my family about when I went back to Cali was, like, I'm not okay. Like, I'm, like, I don't know what's wrong and I want to address it. But everybody I was raised around is so used to, you're a man, you're a man, you're a man. Like, uh, like deal with it. So I just kind of just said, fuck all of y'all. And I started writing in this notebook. I can literally go find that notebook. And I was just like writing letters to myself. And then I noticed like, there was like some raps in there, like some little, some little body blahs. And I was just like, uh, I think, what was it? It was that song Wild Side by Normani featuring Cardi B, the instrumental. I remixed that on BandLab. And I was just like, I'm killing these bitches. And I was like, why does it feel rewarding to rap? So I just started focusing. Like, whenever I'm like, get that depression hype or anything, I just start typing in my phone because I'm like, I can't allow the sins of everybody else to get to me. I can't allow my mind to eat itself. I can't let my energy take me out. Like I have to hone it. Like 
I'm a grown ass man and it's my world. So with that being said, I have to find my cult. So I started doing music with no intentions of ever having a rap name or having like an album. I was just like playing with sounds, playing with my voice and getting comfortable. And then I started realizing as I'm getting comfortable with my voice, I'm getting more comfortable in my skin and in my social settings because it's like everything I rap is true. So when I hear my own raps and I hear like, it's like when you hear like Nicki Minaj or something like, you be like, yeah, yeah, boss ass bitch. Like it hits, like it was the instant reward for depression. Like I would hear something on band lab and listen it back. And it's like, yo, that's you. You, you wrote that like you, that's you. And it's like, chase that feeling and that feeling was just me being satisfied with being here because when my sister and her son left i felt so guilty like i still feel guilty that's why i'm going so hard so when i get to them gates i can just let her know like girl i had the whole world in a sugar rush and it's just music immediately derails depression in my brain like Mm. even if like when people are like i was supposed to drop my album on new year's but i did on friday the 13th and the fact that I delayed it by accident because I was like busy, people was texting me like, where's that album? And I'm like, what? Like, I didn't think anybody was going to worry about it. Like, it just made me like, made me feel complete in so many ways. Yeah. See, it's the authenticity for me, um, you know, especially as someone who has also, you know, dealt with depression you know, myself, like a lot of people, use music to heal or just use music to to feel, to to feel whatever it is you're feeling. Use music to get through whatever it is you're, wherever you're at at that moment. And so for that authenticity, I just want to say to you, thank you, because I'm, I'm sure that helps you connect with so many more people in a, in a more honest way and, and touch people through your music. Um Speaking of authenticity in this ever-evolving industry where you have a new artist almost popping up every day, new sounds, new trends, things that are going viral, how does Cocaine Sugar remain authentic to who he is? Yeah. Honestly, M-O-T-F-D. Like, like, okay, now when I say that, that's middle of the fucking desert. I met a collective of individuals of people who make music. And like when I showed them Pokey Stop, they fucked with it. Not because, oh, the beat's hard. It was like, you really rapping. Like you really rapping. And Pokey Stop, Pokey Pilots, Pokey Lee, Pokey Mart, Pokey Bone, and all those songs will always be my hardest songs because that's me. Like I hear people rap about pussy money and weed. I like to smoke weed. I got a cat. And and I like spending money. What do I spend money on? Apple products. What like so like I found a way to if we're gonna talk about the same shit, I'm gonna really bring you into my world without even having to like get on get on your side. And then my two rap major rap influences of anything is Nicki Minaj and XXX Tentacion. Nicki Minaj writes her own rap. She's big on be your own person. And like making music, I did find out how easy it is to just be like. Bitch better have my money. Like, oh, shit, Rihanna was eating. And then down the line, you're like, yeah, bitch better have my money. And then it's like, yeah, you got to, like, you got to control that. And then X was like, still a nigga flow and murderous beat. I do a lot of remixes. Like, I love hopping on tracks. I love doing features. I love collaborations. So I noticed, like, if yeah, I can... Yeah, really comes through. You you have... you. It seems like you feature a lot of people, too. You collaborate. 
Yeah, I'm big on that local artist. I'm big on it. I'm every, I remember I called Bougie Badass because I found her on SoundCloud. And I was like, I can get you a studio session. I can mix and master the song and everything. But I want you on Backyard Bandit. And she was like, really? Okay. And I was like, yeah, girl, like you can do it. She came through. We did it. And like, she blew me away. And she was like, oh, cocaine really fucks with you because you like, you really like gave me the opportunity to get in the studio. And me and Pompas was sitting there like, girl, you got talent. Like, fuck, fuck paying for studio time. Fuck accent. I'll do this shit for free. I still do that. I tell all my homies who want to make music, make that shit on BandLab and I'll mix it for you. And that's how I'm keeping it authentic because when I make my music, I don't emulate their sounds and they don't emulate mine's. But when I'm talking about what I want to talk about, my friends who make music, they actually pay attention. So it went from making music to try to blow up to honestly just making music to talk to the homies without even calling them. Like every song is a journey. And because we know each other, when you hear it, you're just like, let me tap in with you real quick. Like, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. I'm sorry. (laughs) There you go again. It's all good. No, you're good. So we are wrapping up. This was so dope. Time flies when you're having fun. Before you leave, you must tell us what's next for Cocaine Sugar and Boys Love Records. There is actually a lot in the work. I am Cocaine Sugar Rush Part 2 and Part 3 drop in June and December. So every six months this year, there's going to be a Cocaine Sugar Rush. We got the beginning of the year, me proving myself. Middle of the year is going to be like some party LA like hype songs. And then December going to be more personal because you know winter depression and in between those i'm going to drop four eps four remixes four singles and four solo i mean four collabs and i'm mixing mastering and doing it all myself why because when i released my album people tapped in it was like oh shit i was like sugar rush like come on get into it it went from <laughs> me just talking about it and just making music with homies to now like I actually like really people really send me their stems and then I remix it and they're like, oh shit. And I'm just like, I said it on Broly Flow. I'm asking for the remix when you really should have caught the best because it's like, yeah, I'm cocky, blah, blah, blah. But one thing I am is I'm consistent and I'm stuck up. So with that is like the fact that you even listen to my album, that makes me want to get off this call and drop a song. I'm literally going to drop off one like the moment I'm done. Like I swear to God I am. My song's going to drop before this release, and I'm going to use this audio as an as a interlude because, like, <laughs> it's just rewarding. Like, so what's next so dope. is an overdose on the Sugar Rush. That's mm. what's next. And we got three doses, and it's going to be an overdose. Hey, look, make sure when your music comes out, if I don't see it, make sure you DM me so that way I can post it and share it um, mm. because I love what you're doing, and I'm hung up. We're going to keep up with you. Thank you. Thank you and for dialing in. One thing I want to say to you is thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for talking to me. And thank you for like seeing me as a creative. It took a lot to change my identifier from the gay homie to the rapper. So thank you. Okay. It, ma- okay. it makes the hustle worth it. <laughs> your energy is so dope. And that's why Hunger Family, go check out the music. Like I said, I like... Y'all can start wherever y'all want, but um, <clears throat> Dills. Yeah, Dills is that girl. Dills eats for sure. She that's that shit. 
That's like, you know, that had me on my little bird shit. Like, my tongue was out my mouth a little bit. And I was uh, like, like, that's- <laughs> like, yo, it's... <laughs> Wait, can, can I give you some insight real quick? <laughs> yes, yes. I had to make my verse separate from the homies. is because it was like, when he was like, make all this trash to the weed got me trip. I was like, hey, I was like, wait. <laughs> I was like, y'all gotta go. Like, y'all gotta go. Like, it just, like, that song really hits. Can I do something so corny? What's up? Can I shout out a song? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Okay. Make sure y'all go tap in with Cocaine Sugar and Pompous Purpose off one, dropping on all plats and Andela, two, two for one discount. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But this was dope. I can't Thank wait you. to have another interview with you again. This is going to be great. Oh, yeah. We're we going to, yeah, because you got some good stuff coming up. Thank you for dialing in. This was dope. Right. And we'll be talking soon. Okay, bye. Welcome to the Sugar Rider. <laughs> Peace. Peace.